As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. My name is Matt Mayer, aka The Implications, columnist of the Imp's Adventure series on LawsOfPain.net, and your perfect and wrestling host right here on LOP Radio. Uh, before we get into things, just please do check out the other shows here on Laws of Pain Radio. Uh, tomorrow is the right side of the pond with our fellow, my fellow Brits at Mavplan and Mazza. Uh, Saturday's our new show, All About All Elite. I say new, it's been like, what, six weeks? <laughs> but still, they'll be covering All About All Elite and sometimes uh, to be doing a legacy series of MLW as well, which is a running thing whilst we're waiting for All Elite to properly get going and kick in. So, again, they're the, le- do the legacy series chaps. <laughs> that's, that's all the vote of confidence you need to 100% check that out. Uh, it's been very, very good so far. <laughs> so far, as if it's going to be any issues. There won't be. Uh, Sunday, the Doc Says has returned. He's now on Sundays with a wide variety of topics and fun and happiness. It's Happy Doc. <laughs> happy Doc. The Happy Doc says. I, guess I can see why he's not called it that. Yeah, Mondays is Kingdom of Honor with Jamman and his friend Jeff talking about Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Tuesdays is the Global Revolution. Uh, and right live after SmackDown is One Nation Radio with Rich Latter and James Boyd. And Wednesdays is Planned Sports Entertainment is Dead, a.k.a. Plans Seed. And Thursday, it's me, every single week. Uh, next week, I'll be live with Vern talking about Fastlane and the kind of the road going into WrestleMania. We'll talk a bit of NXT as well. Uh, maybe a bit of the Cruiserweights, but if you've ever listened to a show of me and Vern, it depends on if we get to it. <laughs> we tend to ramble, we tend to go off topic, so it's kind of how it goes. Also, before I get into the show, uh, the 2009 Lords of Pain Hall of Fame ballot is the votes are underway for the ballot, so the nominations have undergone. The ballot was put together via your nominations, and now you decide who makes it into the Hall of Fame this year by voting for the candidates. And so you go to lawsofpain.net, and the link is at the top of the news list. Right, let's get on to the show. I'm getting rather professional with those, doing them every single week. <laughs> right, oh, and the King's Economist Tournament. <laughs> Just as I said that. Uh, yeah, the King of the Economists tournament is currently taking place in the Columns Forum. I got knocked out in the quarterfinals. If you heard my show with Clive, I was like, if I get through, there's something wrong. <laughs> but uh, not only did I get knocked out, I got knocked out to the best column of the round. I mean, a decent column would have beaten me, <laughs> but still. Uh, amazing column by uh, who's relatively new person to the uh, Columns Forum, Arthroff, but he's very, very good. <laughs> so if you want to uh, go check him out. But also still in the semifinals is... As far as I'm right, uh, Anonymous, who is a long-time Columns Forum uh, personality, uh, along with Plan and Clive is also the other, to my finest, including the guy, not me out, off. So, 
Yes. <laughs> so the King's College Tournament currently in the semi-finals. I think all the columns are up and it's now under voting. So if you want to check that out, uh, or to go to the columns forum to write yourself to do something, not just to follow the tournament. There's a wide variety of topics to be talked about, or even just to learn how to write columns, well, like why I went there. Right, news. Now I can we bother the news and <laughs> lavish on our personal, uh, how proper I've gotten with my introductions. <laughs> this is hilarious because I put it up. Right, so uh, tomorrow the New Japan Cup starts. In this is this is my version of news. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be talking about the awards and talking points. It's what concerns me, damn it. But yeah, so tomorrow the New Japan Cup begins. It's going to be uh, four matches a day, so it's a bit different than normal. So you've never followed, you don't really, really know much about New Japan or maybe someone new to the company. The way the New Japan Cup has worked previously is 16 teams. It teams, Jesus Christ, I'm in football mode. <laughs> Sorry, it's been Champions League this week. I'm allowed to be in football mode. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's normally been 16 competitors, <laughs> 16 wrestlers. And it gets whittled down pretty quickly. It's over a few days. It's uh, nice and quickened up. Uh, this year, they've doubled the number of entries. And for the first time ever, champions have been included. So in the past, it's been you got to choose either the never openweight champion, the intercontinental champion, or the heavyweight champion, and you chose who you wanted to face. And this year, it's just for one thing. So this year, the winner of the New Japan Cup will be in the main event against Jay White for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Madison Square Garden <laughs> in the G1 Supercard Show between Ring of Honor and New Japan. So that's a pretty big spot which makes this new japan cup a little bit different to the past because it's normally been like a tournament and then a pay-per-view but this is all before their like big pay-per-view it's like in a way if two uh wwe pay-per-views kind of fed into each other like you did a tournament and then you had the opportunity at the next pay-per-view something like that but they were between like the summer slams or the wrestlemanias or something like a mini thing to keep things going wouldn't be a bad idea. King of the Ring was a thing. <laughs> they did that idea already. Uh, but anyway, so this year, though, it's leading to a huge first for New Japan. Like, it's Madison Square Garden. Like, this match has to be big. It has to be good. So there's a lot more riding on this New Japan Cup than normal. So maybe to fit in with that, the New Japan Cup is twice as big. There's 32 competitors. For the first time, the Intercontinental Champion is taking part, who is Tetsuya Naito. The Never Champion is taking part, who is Will Ospreay. And the United States heavyweight champion, who's Juice Robinson, a.k.a. CJ. Oh, it's been so long now, I can't remember his NXT name. I wanted to say Perkins, but that's TJ Perkins. CJ, what was his, whatever, yeah, Juice Robinson, you should know him. <laughs> if he, whoever his name was, as the hippie in NXT. But yeah, so, uh, the champions are taking part. And if you want to look at the kind of, uh, I've done a rundown on Lords of Pain. So I've gone through the entire tournament. Uh, just looking at what's the possibilities, like who are the favourites, what's kind of new about the tournament, and what can you kind of expect. Well, I say what can you expect, it's more of me looking at it, trying to give it a guess. Because <laughs> it's the big thing is you look at it, you go, well, it's Madison Square Garden, it can't be a, it can't be Yano, <laughs> as in the jokey character. <laughs> um, there are some interesting inclusions. So if you don't know, um, the rest of the formerly known as Nick Miller, Mikey Nichols, he's now called. So Nick Miller, who was in um, TM61, or The Mighty, or The Mighty Don't Kneel with Shane Thorne. So the one that's not Shane Thorne, Nick Miller is now part of the Chaos Stable in New Japan. And he goes by the name of Mikey Nichols, and his debut is taking place in this tournament, uh, which would be interesting, especially as if he wins his first match, 
his second match will be against Kazuchika Okada, <laughs> who's like the man in New Japan right now, as the number one guy. So interesting, like <laughs> start to immediately hit the ground running. But yeah, another interesting inclusion: Colt Cabana, like a jokey kind of American character. It's one of those where you look at just if you just looked at the names, you go, "Why the hell is Colt Cabana in this tournament?" Well, right next to him, the match next to his in the first round is Toru Yano, who is Japan's comedic character. Suddenly, it's like, ah, if they both get through, then we've got the ultimate jokey comedy match of that round, and that's yeah, that's what he's there for. <laughs> they had a match with Ivano, it went over really well, so it makes sense of kind of doing it in Japan as well as like a one-off, just to make the tournament more varied and big. <laughs> then I was going that. But also included Young Lions as well, so that'll be very interesting. We'll see how they perform. Of it's like a huge experience for them to be in this kind of pressure cooker situation. But uh, but yes. Yeah an interesting knockout tournament. So that starts this Friday, so I'm going to be up on Twitter covering it. I'm going to be writing a column about it. I say a column, might be a column minimum, depending. I've got the freedom to jump about whenever it's relevant for New Japan. <laughs> so we'll see how that kind of works. Right, so that's the kind of news out of the way. There was there was lots of stuff going on about the week, but I feel like it's been covered already in lots of pain radio, so I'm not going to blabber on. I try not to blabber on too much about the New Japan stuff, knowing that it was already covered on Kingdom of Honor. But I know they spent a lot of time on the anniversary show on Wednesday, so New Japan Cup. I thought I'd talk about that a bit, with a bit more knowledge that I've kind of got after forcing myself to write a 2,000 word column on it, and therefore I have to look things up to find out what to <laughs> say. Uh, right, so this is the actual format of the show, covering the WWE Network shows. Uh, 205 Live, who is currently doing their Cruiserweight tournament, NXT, which the entire episode was dedicated to the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and finally NXT UK, which was a standard episode with an awesome main event. So before I get into things, uh, I think I said this out on Twitter, but it's going to be almost impossible for me to choose my match of the week, because there was such variety in all of the <laughs> matches that I'd nominate, so I think I'll just give a list of which matches I nominate. Um, and before I get to NXT, I'll just say, I just nominate the episode. Just watch, if I can all time the episode for me, it's just just watch NXT. Like every single one of those the first round matches of the Dusty Rhodes Classic was worth watching. All four of them. Like, <laughs> just, so just before we get that, <laughs> just, I'm just saying, it's going to be impossible for me to choose my, choose my match of the week because all four of those tag matches were great and there were others outside of the show. <laughs> like both 205 Live and, and NXT UK had their own nomination. So it's like, oh, that's six matches, <laughs> and I'm not going to choose between them because I enjoyed all of them. It's an awesome week for WWE Network, even if we're going to fast lane feels a bit weird on the main roster. Uh, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but to me it feels like it's a bit off. There's no hype for the show. It's caught in the middle of build, and it's like, <laughs> I've had to try and build to a show whilst in the middle of build to WrestleMania, and it's kind of like, oh, I guess it's happening then. <sighs> anyway. So, 205 Live results on Laws of Pain, courtesy of Clive. It's Buddy Murphy Classic Week 2. That's what I'm calling it, instead of the Cruiserweight Tournament or whatever it is. The Cruiserweight WrestleMania Tournament for the number one contendership. Like, nah, just Buddy Murphy Classic. He called it that himself, and I liked it. So, uh, first off, we had Only Lorcan facing Humberto Carrillo. And it was, it was interesting. So, when I'm watching this match, so they did, did a really nice uh, video package for Only Lorcan before this match. Did a why put an accent on <laughs> Only Lorcan. I might use that with no one. But, yeah, so they did a nice video package beforehand, him talking about how how he's, his wrestler goes up against him, he adapts. And that is, his strength is adapting to his opponent, which was a nice, interesting take. 
So also, it was kind of interesting seeing Umpedagrio just then come out. And of course, this is the post-Smackdown crowd, so they've seen the Smackdown show. There's a main event being held hostage to watch after 205 Live. The crowd, they're tired and don't really want to be there. They want to see the Smackdown thing. That's why they're staying. They're not staying for this one-hour show that's being recorded. You can tell. Uh, Carino got no reaction. Lorcan got no reaction. Uh, by the end of the match, we're getting some reaction. But I feel like the biggest crowd reaction, if, luckily, it did come with the biggest move of the match at the end when only Lorcan hit a high-angle suplex after fighting back against Carino and then the, yeah, hit high-angle high suplex for the win. Uh, that got a great reaction. Then, but then beforehand, I feel like Humberto Carrillo is still making little mistakes that take away from the momentum. But it's like he's he's a rookie. He's being, he's being made to run before he can walk in a way. Well, that's not true. He can run. He's been made to sprint before he can jog at pace. <laughs> way to explain it. Because <laughs> again, he was shy, he was developing really nicely in NXT, but then he got caught up here and he's like he's swimming before he really knows how to. Whilst he he knew how to survive or how to do well. I don't know what I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Speaking bollocks. But as in he knows what he's doing, but he's still making the odd mistake, which would have got I and you think with time in NXT, but then he get called up to here and it's interesting in a way. And someone like Ernie Lorcan would have worked a lot better, but then he's doing great tag team stuff, so uh, I, w- I would complain if he got moved. <laughs> so complain doesn't really matter what they did. Uh, anyway. It felt like the match had a bit of a slow start, and then towards the end, he got a nice fax exchange to end the thing, ending with that high angle suplex, as I said earlier. Uh, Credo, a bit sloppy with his final thing, where he went for a kind of quick, cheeky pin with a bit of spin, a spinning round Eddie Lorcan kind of thing, but it didn't, he just kind of fell, didn't quite look right. In the end, uh, Eddie Lorcan kind of brought it back, got some great momentum, and yeah, high angle suplex for the win, great for him. And for me, the best part of the match. Well, halfway through, we saw Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher watching backstage and they were wearing their Humberto shirts. <laughs> so just like a plain shirt with Humberto Grillo's face on it. And they were like, come on, Bertie, come on, Bertie. But less posh, but I feel like it's funny in my voice. Like, come on, Bertie. <laughs> but um, uh, afterwards, after Humberto lost, uh, it went back to them and Drew Gulak was really angry, like, damn it. And um, Gallagher was just stood there with his arm behind his back, just kind of like, kind of shaking his head but just watching the television in silence and uh, both the commentators were saying like, oh, they're furious at watching Humberto lose and <laughs> I, was, I was laughing just watching Jack Gallagher just stood there silently looking at the television and I was like to be fair that it is a spot on portrayal of British furiousness <laughs> when we get angry oh we'll stare a hole through you <laughs> we'll send one angrily worded letter of complaint oh <laughs> so he is English he knows how we would properly act so yeah but yes Eddie Lorcan moves on to the semi-finals uh, I think it's one semi-final next week one semi-final the week after to kind of stretch it out so we'll see uh, next week will be the first one which was Drew Gulak versus oh the other lad oh yes in the first <laughs> round match and then this one Eddie Lorcan versus question mark just to leave spoilers it will be next week after so, uh, also, uh, I don't think there's anything happening at Fastlane with the Cruiserweight, just so you can ignore that. Buddy Murphy's gone on, like, vacation. Uh, he won't be there. So, he gets a nice time off to recuperate and get ready for WrestleMania. So, good for him. Keep in mind, WrestleMania is, like, one month away. It airs on the 7th of April, if I'm right, and it's currently the 8th of March, so it's one month away. <laughs> so, it's really not very long. So, when I'm saying, like, uh, two, three weeks of television can be taken up left of this tournament, like... 
that's no time at all. They've got like one week to build after that. Like it's pretty. They've, they've definitely timed this really well with the tournament. So there's like no room. There's a bit of room to develop, but nothing like too long where you felt like you're waiting for ages or you get bollocks like <laughs> the Ronda Charlotte Becky thing where they're making it really convoluted to kind of make keep it as interesting. They're trying to keep it really interesting. So they're doing something new every single week to try and instigate new momentum into it and in the end it's coming off as really convoluted <laughs> but it's one of those where the build the build's really weird but when we get to Wrestlemania we're going to have a fun match which to be fair that summed up WWE for a while that's probably why the TV rate things are slipping and Wrestlemania still sells like the show is going to be fine it's just that the build is uh, what, what is this <laughs> so, uh, I like parts of it anyway uh, we then go backstage and Mike and Maria Canellis are complaining there to a mini man. What have I got in his name? Uh, I can't remember Rockstar Spud. It keeps happening. I can't remember indie names. <laughs> before, names before the game's WWE. Jake Maverick. There we go. I knew if I blabbered long enough, I'd get it. Uh, so they are pissed uh, that uh, Mike Canellis' match isn't part of the tournament. And as I said to take note of last week, uh, Jake Maverick says, well, I said he had a match. I never said it was part of the tournament. I bloody said to keep an eye on that. WWE, they're not exactly subtle. <laughs> so uh, he's got a match, and it's against the best local person, and they're like a local talent, really. Uh, so then they go to the ring. It's a very light, blonde-haired uh, chap called something Candido. <laughs> I only remember the Candido bit. It was like, hmm, Candido. Because, of course, uh, Steve Candido. Wait, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, wait, no, is it Carino? I was like, ah, shit. It's Chris Candido, isn't it? Ugh. Christian Dino's a wrestler. I think this guy's name was Carino. They were, those were the tech, well, they were the, the, together in ECW. That's why I'm allowed to get confused. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's that bollocks screwed up, isn't it? I think it was Carino, not, <laughs> not Candido. So it was Carino, and I was like, was that a rib on Steve Carino? Not a reference to wrestler Chris Candido. <sighs> but yeah, so uh, Steve Carino is a trainer in NXT, former commentator for Ring of Honor, and when I started, when, well, I, when I started New, watching New Japan, there was no English commentary. Then they had uh, Jim Ross and Matt Stryker. But after that, when it was Kevin Kelly, uh, I yeah, awesome time with Kevin Kelly and Steve Carino. They were amazing together. I highly recommend watching. There's one of the Wrestle Kingdoms where they just cracked me up. <laughs> they were great together. Uh, but anyway, I was thinking, was this jobber's name a reference to Steve Carino? For way much time on this, no one cares. Mike Kanellis destroys the fecker, not even allowing the match to start, and then off he goes. That I have to cause mayhem look on his face as Maria also has the same look of you just cause mayhem look on her face. Nice and fine. Right, then we move on to the main event. Uh, Cedric Alexander gives the little sit-down speech beforehand about how uh, he has met, uh, kind of concentrated his life onto a, on the Cruiserweight Championship and he has become synonymous with that title over the past year or past two years. Uh, and he's saying he's going to this match knowing that Akira Tozawa is just as driven as he is and he's going to take him seriously. And he's going to give him absolutely everything he's got. A.K.A. because he cuts a baby face promo. Which is kind of what all Cedric Kelly said they're going to do promo-wise. He's one of those where once he, he'd probably be fantastic in a tag team on the main roster. Because he's really good when he gets into the ring. He's got that high energy. Once you sit him down solo to cut a promo of trying to hype up the match. Oh, it's, it's fine, I guess. It's fine. <laughs> it's nothing that's going to light the world on fire. But he's a good mid-card hand. <laughs> he could get better. I don't know. Everyone gets better in WWE eventually, right? With time. 
I'm waffling on. Anyway, this match was really good. <laughs> I was losing my, my speed and momentum in just of making this match sound great because I've been nothing but moaning so far. But no, this match was really good. Uh, you couldn't tell by the crowd for the majority of it. Uh, for the final exchange, which was like just ripped, like damn good, great, <laughs> like awesome. Uh, but yes, yeah, absolutely fantastic final minutes of exchange between the two of them. It, it kind of got lost in the shuffle of I've got no idea who's going to win this. Again, Kim Sazawa is the last challenger to Buddy Murphy, as Cedric Alexander is, again, synonymous with the title. So there's a chance that they could have Sazawa beat Alexander, or they could just carry on Alexander's synonymity, which isn't a word. <laughs> but it, it made, you knew what I meant, therefore it's worked its purpose, synonymity. <laughs> I think I'll say that word different every time with different numbers of M's and N's. Synonymity. <laughs> oh, it's my own little fun. I have it now and then. But so, uh, yeah, so Cedric Alexander ended up winning with a lumbar check after Tazawa was going to the top rope and he pulled him off the top rope uh, and then just carried him and then delivered the lumbar check for the win. But beforehand was an amazing back and forth with so many spots <laughs> of that just make, could be at match ending spots. Um, I don't know if you, uh, if you went onto Twitter, you would have seen uh, Candice LeRae did a uh, run in on an NXT live event where she jumped off the backwards off the second rope onto somebody's shoulders and then did went backwards into, with a reverse Rana. Uh, so and then Tazawa and Alexander did that spot on here where Tazawa was on the second rope then jumped onto Alexander's uh, shoulders and then flipped over into the reverse Rana. Got an awesome reaction from the crowd. Suddenly, this, well beforehand the crowd had already got invested. All, it was a match that was so good that they got the tired post-Smackdown crowd chanting a genuine 205. <laughs> a genuine 205 chant started ringing out, which tells you, yeah, they have the good, good, good job. <laughs> it's that thing of, um, if a comedian is performing to a smaller crowd, they'll hear like, hear like a kind of chuckle or something, or like a proper laugh or something. Like, when I buy a smaller crowd, I mean like somewhere between 20 and 30. Uh, they can gauge, really, or you can look at it and go, that would be a big laugh in a bigger, a bigger scenario, a bigger, a bigger setting, a bigger room. So like a really good scenario, kind of testing material in front of a small crowd. They kind of gauge little reactions, and you can figure out, or oh, that would be a bigger reaction. I get that feeling on Two or Five Live. Like watching this match, you you can spot which moments would get amazing reactions and which one would have the place going crazy. Uh, if you turn a crowd which is silent and not really caring and in the end you get them chanting 205 <laughs> you've done a brilliant job <laughs> in terms of like a proper full house which is properly paying attention they would go mental for it and again a crowd that didn't care is chanting 205 <laughs> that, that tells you how great this match was and I ditto it <laughs> it was really really good Again, it's one of my six nominations for Match of the Week. I can't pick them. I'm just going to name all six. <laughs> but, yeah, this was a fantastic match. Highly recommend it. Uh, I ended up pulling for Tozawa in the end just because Alexander's synonymity <laughs> with the Cruiserweight Championship has made me kind of tired of seeing him competing for it. So that's why I was only cheering for Tozawa. But Lorcan versus Alexander could be interesting because uh, last year when the tournament was bigger, that they had Bunny Murphy debut and he went all the way to the semi-finals. Uh, this year, only Lorcan could they do the same thing where they take him to the semi-finals. It's a smaller tournament, so it won't quite mean as much. Unless you compare more to someone like Roderick Strong, who was in the tournament, but was just there because he's like, he came from a tag team, if I'm right. Was he in a tag team? Was he in an undisputed era by this point? I can't remember the past. 
I feel like he might not have been in Undisputed Era by, oh God, time flies. So yeah, so pre-Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong was in this tournament, but he was then went straight back to NXT, and that was the end of that, compared to Buddy Murphy, where it was his proper core. But it was a bigger tournament with more kind of happening around it, and two or five live. I feel like might have been in a better state. Because <laughs> this time they've hit a high momentum, put on, some, put on awesome stuff. They've wrestled their guts out every single week. There's more, most weeks, almost every single week, there's been a fantastic main event. With that, that consistency is incredible. And then it kind of hits home watching all of this. We are into WrestleMania this year that all of that meant next to nothing in terms of the two or five brand. So the rest that's been in it, some of them are probably going to be kept. But I get that feeling that by 2020, there's a very big chance we do not have 205 Live, except for the fact that WWE are hoarding talent. <laughs> so for me, that's the only reason 205 Live will exist for the, over the next few years. It's purely because WWE are hoarding talent, and that's just going to continue. Maybe you'd see someone seep through like Mustafa Ali. But I feel like Buddy Murphy, he, he, he's one of those who will only be in 205 Live for a certain amount of time. Before he's like he's done everything. Why is he still here? Like Neville hit that wall. Mustafa Ali was doing an, he was ready to go, but he was in the middle of an amazing arc. So maybe after WrestleMania would have been his perfect time to be called up. But still, yeah, <laughs> I've gone from talking about how great this match was to, to once again complaining about things. That's yes, things like this made me realise that they are putting their bodies out there. They're giving amazing matches. This was another example of I've put this match of the week. It's up there for match of the month easily from WWE, but still, for the 205 brand, it means next to nothing, and I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers are still going down for it, less and less people are watching it, so why do we do we, do we still keep it around? But the only thing I can think of is them hoarding talent, and with AEW, about more and more people feel more and more free to kind of leave it, because keep in mind, it's not just AEW existing, it's the fact of how they've sprouted kind of proves that outside of WWE, you don't need that you don't need WWE system to succeed as a wrestler. You can do it on the indies, because AEW started from the success of the indies. That, that proves that the indies themselves are doing well. So you could do well on the indies yourself. <laughs> it might tell WWE wrestlers. Uh, even Ty Dillinger, I think he went by the name Sean Spears. Oh, I can't remember if that was his ECW name from back in the day. Well, it was Gavin Spears on ECW. <laughs> I was travelling back 10 years to remember that one. Yeah, But anyway... That's the end of uh, 205 Live. We're going to take a quick ad break, and then when we return, I'm going to talk about something. Uh, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about NXT and NXT UK. I've just, I've just decided, should I talk about both or not? And I will talk, uh, sorry, talk about both in an ad break or not. But I will talk about them both, because NXT is pretty quick in the tag team matches. Anyway, I'll be back in about five seconds after this lovely advert about uh, cars. Uh, it's, it's, it's region done anyway. <laughs> Taylor that. <does. laughs> anyway, saying a little bit. I think I deleted. Oh no, here it is. I found my 10 stinger. <laughs> uh, I was looking all over for my perfect 10 white uh, white stinger. Where it goes, burr, 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 10. Couldn't find it. I'll play the other white effect we've got on here. Uh, oh well. Anyway, none of you give a shit. <laughs> I'll just say a little thing for me. Uh, NXT uh, results are not a pain courtesy of Jekyll, who's on the show every single time after a takeover show. Yeah, I will just say, uh, uh, at this point, I always like to remind everybody, uh, after WrestleMania, this show is going to be going through another change. Uh, this like Going live this week is a bit of a 
kind of going in the pattern of that. But this time next week, I will be with Burn. And after WrestleMania, Burn is coming back for like a two-month period just to see if we can properly do the show as we used to do it back in the day. We used to go live every single week covering more, uh, covering more SmackDown and NXT. So in that kind of vibe, so that's why it was really easy for me to shift over to network stuff. But yeah, we did that for about half a year. Then Burn had to drop out, and that's when I dropped into the guests like over the summer of that year. And then I've gone from the guests to kind of not booking any guests, wanting to get good at the solo stuff, and then the solo stuff into the network stuff. And now Burn's finally able to come back. So after WrestleMania, we'll be going back to the Raw SmackDown slash NXT kind of feel of the show. And we're going live every single week. That's going to be very interesting when we're doing New Japan stuff. Because <laughs> that means I'll be live at uh, a specific time. So we'll be live at 1 or 2 a.m. my time, which is GMT. But that'll be like, I don't know, uh, 5 or 6 his <laughs> time. Uh, but, yeah, so that'll be, yeah, so I'll be live around those times. And then I'll be up at like... Eight or nine, in the, oh no, seven or eight in the morning watching Japanese wrestling. <laughs> so that's going to be interesting. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so after WrestleMania, this show will be kind of permanently live. Uh, ben will be with me and be doing the Ross Metal and NXT. Uh, that we'll be doing a monthly network special, we'll be calling Clive every single month still to do that. After takeovers, we'll be still be getting J. Cole. So nothing's changing in that thing. It'll just turn like the ne- this show, kind of what I'm doing now, will turn into like a monthly special rather than every single week. We're still going to talk about it. I still like watching this stuff. <laughs> Maybe it's like a one-week break from constantly moaning about WWE. <laughs> and then we'll switch it. We'll switch back to it the week after. Anyway, NXT. So this week was entirely dedicated to the Dusty Rhodes Classic. Uh, every single first-round match was on the show. It ended up as one hour, 13 minutes. Where If you've ever watched like SmackDown recorded, SmackDown's kind of that length, I think. Unless, well, closer to an hour and a half, but still... So this was an hour and 13 minute episode, which is lot, but like it's quite a bit longer, but it flew by. <laughs> it was a damn great episode. So uh, first off, we had Ricochet and Alistair Black, or as Rick Slash and Jason Boyd have donned them, Blackochet, uh, facing Marcel Bartel of Fabian Eichner, or A slash B, as comes up on their thing, <laughs> on their graphic. Uh, when I was trying to tweet out their names together uh, to save characters, I was like, well, what's the shortens for the name? Because Bartel and Eichner still taking up a fair bit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, a slash B. Is that the name? <laughs> I didn't really like that. Bartell and Eichner. Eichner Bartell. Anyway, uh, in the end, I like to black one the black mass. Mm, great. So, um, just to go into a bit more detail. It was a great paced match, back and forth. Uh, Bartell and Eichner are great together. Well, with Ricochet and Alistair Black, they felt like they were awesome together. It was one hell of a tit-for-tat match uh, with Fabi Eichner getting to show off his athleticism, Bartell, his kind of counter-wrestling in a way. You know, Alistair Black, his awesome kicks to get stay in the match. Ricochet did his flips <laughs> and everything. Uh, also, it was awesome to see that Bartel and Eichner constantly had momentum and really felt like they could genuinely win, and Ricochet and Black were fighting back, and then it would, uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet would be on top, and Bartel and Eichner fought back. And towards the end of the match, it was Bartel and Eichner on top, and it generally felt like Black was fighting back, and then he did fight back, and he hit the Black Mass, and that was that. One, two, three. Awesome match. <laughs> Highly recommend you watch it. Uh, again, this is my second vote for the... Again, I've just said, I'll just nominate the episode. Just watch the episode. All four matches are great. Alistair Black and Ricochet now on the main roster. This, I guess, in a way, can work as a backstory. <laughs> I guess through their main roster stuff, because on the main roster, their character is 
those NXT lads. And that's it. There's nothing more to it. They're just the NXT lads. So that's great for someone like Alistair Black. It works for Ricochet anyway because he's very flashy. So he gets himself over in the ring. But Alistair Black, without any character work other than NXT lad, where the promos he's given backstage are very generic apart from his catchphrase, it's like, oh, it could have been anyone again. <laughs> if that is your main roster. But anybody who needs some character work is going to suck. Uh, looking at you, Bobby Roode. Anyone who needs, like, mic time to get over. Like, the, the character work's not there in the main roster. EC3 is going to be facing the same issue when they finally let him speak, even though they've not let him speak once <laughs> on the main roster. And... He's had a win-lose against Dean Ambrose, and now he's on main event wrestling, and he's still not been allowed to speak. <laughs> so what the hell is happening? He debuted in, what, late December, early January, and he's still not been allowed to speak. Like The new lads have been allowed to speak. They're pushing them really well. Well, pushing them strongly. They still don't have any character other than those NXT lads. But that's where this NXT comes in, I guess. Ricochet and Alex to Black uh, getting their backstory for the main roster. <laughs> Defeating Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. Uh, again, really, really good match. Highly recommend you go watch it. Amazing opener as well for something that kind of felt a bit more pay-per-view-y just in the sense that it was a tournament setting to made it feel really different from normal NXT show. Uh, but, yeah, this was a great high-paced match. Just didn't let down and flips all over the place, counters all over the place. <laughs> really recommend you watch it. Right, after this, we got a VTR video highlight for Keith Lee versus Dakovic. Uh, they announced that they will face again in two weeks after their match last week tore down the building. Awesome time. Uh, there's a feeling this will be a takeover match. I've not looked at the spoilers, so I don't know what the takeover card is. Uh, so, yeah. Also, uh, before we get into the next match, uh, Tommaso Ciampa obviously was announced as injured and he's going to need neck surgery. He's going to be out for a long time once he gets that neck surgery. If it might be the same thing that uh, Sheamus has been struggling with a bit for a while. I know it's something that's ended careers in the past, but Sheamus is an example of it not ending his career, and he will be at least continue to, continuing to wrestle, but it will hinder him later on in life. Like, it's not a great neck injury to have at all. But it's the chance getting surgery for that, and who knows how long he'll be out. It kind of sucks, even though he's got like all the plaudits in the world for his amazing work over the past year. That still is like, it sucks like just as he gets called up, that happens. Or, or it comes to a point where he can't ignore it anymore. One of the two. So, yeah. Next up, Forgotten Sons face Birch and Lorcan. Uh, I'll call this the weakest of the four, but that's because I'd nominate all of them. And this this was still a really good match. I <laughs> enjoyed it. It was still the like last second kind of uh, stop, sort of the high paced match. Uh, lots of double teams, lots of counters, kind of that. Lots of hard hitting moves. Of course, it's Birch and Lorcan, so you're going to get that tough, more I should say street fighter, but that's not right. <laughs> that tough grit. That, that's better. The tough grit of uh, Birch and Lorcan. Uh, in the end, though, so for me, it's somewhat surprising. The Forgotten Sons won. Not really done anything apart from face jobbers and I guess the street profits and a losing effort. But Forgotten Sons ending up winning after a powerbomb to the knees followed by a stomp. It was kind of sloppy in a way, but it, I guess it got the job done. That's not going to help with <laughs> again, trying to get people to cheer for them when Forgotten Sons still looked a little bit messy. Like They still need more time teaming together to get the timing right. I think I mentioned this last week with, oh, well, the Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah. There we go. <laughs> with those two where the tag team part still felt a little bit sloppy, where just teaming together, doing stuff, eventually that happened. But eventually the smoothness eyes itself out. <laughs> I'm saying eventually. 
But yeah, I feel like Forgotten Sons are still in that territory, but they still need more time just to iron things out. But I guess pushing them somewhat, rather than not really pushing them at all and giving in to the reaction they've been getting. Because NXT is the place for development and figuring stuff out. And giving Forgotten Sons kind of this opportunity kind of does help in a way. And I feel like they are much better now than when they debuted, but still they need that time more. Plus, I, there's something about the gimmick that I find really boring. I don't know if it's because I'm not American, and I've always found... I've also found biker gimmicks pretty boring. Like, aside from like, Taker, like my biker Taker, I've often found like, the biker gang gimmicks pretty boring. I found uh, the sort of gimmick of Gunner I found really boring in TNA. So I felt like there was potential in Gunner, but he kind of hit a kind of genericness in a way and never really got out of that. He would and in NXT feels fine. That makes sense. Like, oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Blake either. Really, I, I, I say I'm a bigger fan of. I keep calling him Gunner, but I don't know his name <laughs> in NXT. Jackson Micah. There we go. Yeah, I feel like with Jackson Micah, he's got the intensity and power to maybe work in a group like this. But there's something about the other two which is still really bland and. and them as a group together, there's something bland about them. I'm just not interested in the group at all. Like in the gimmick, I don't care for them at all. I don't know if that's the guys rather than the gimmick, but I feel like the pairing is two things I'm not really com- like, don't really care that much about coming together and forming one big thing that I really don't care about. But they're gelling better. <laughs> Time will make them gel even better even more. So hooray! I can't remember who they're facing next week. I want to say it was the they're on the Mustache Mountain side. The Mustache Mountain versus Street Profits. So I feel like they're on that side. So that's what we're going to Have I turned into gibberish? <laughs> Trying to move on. Uh, Velveteen Dreams music hit as the commentators were talking about the uh, tag team tournaments going on. Uh, Velveteen Dreams music hit. He saunters over and he stands on the announce table, reminding everybody he's the NXT North American champion. The crowd are eating it up when, bro, <laughs> it's on the Titan Tron. And the crowd go mental, realising, oh shit, are we getting Dream versus Viddle? <laughs> As in, the next era of NXT is starting at this next takeover. <laughs> As in, right then. <laughs> with Ch- with Alistair Black, Ricochet, Johnny Gargano and Champa all leaving, suddenly the next era can begin. As in, we have moved on from that era. And if Dream stays, you've got a nice transition period. You've still got Undisputed Era as well, there as well. So instead of calling up all six of them, they call four of them, and then you've got a transitional period till SummerSlam, maybe, or like the year after, in terms of Dream, maybe. I feel like Undisputed Era have only got a certain amount of time till they're called up, because they're awesome in NXT. <laughs> and you're going to be sad to see them go to the main roster where booking, go, booking goes to die. <laughs> but still, uh, yeah, <laughs> they're kind of finishing up on NXT in terms of what they're actually left to do. Unless they go for the championship. Who knows? Anyway, uh, uh, Matt Riddle, that's what I'm trying to find. Matt Riddle congratulates Dream, uh, says he'd like to see the title a little closer, wonders what he would uh, look like around his waist. Uh, Dream says he's, he's not Riddle's bro. Uh, the spotlight, and then he clicks his fingers, and the, and the lights all go black, and the spotlight shines on him. <laughs> so it's all dark, apart from one, and shines only on me. Uh, Dream over. And then he kind of does the pose, and his music plays, the card goes mental. <laughs> For me, that is the amazing character work, which is never going to happen on the main roster. 
Like, it's, for me, this is my biggest fear with Velveteen Dream. I think I said it earlier when it came to somebody. But it's just that thing of, oh, Alistair Black, that was it. Folk who need great kind of character work to build them up to get you really invested in them. At the moment, those characters are dying on the main roster because that writing is not there to back them up. So he's thought, well, I say he thought with Bobby Boo, that's not really fair. But Alistair Black, I'm fearing for already because he's just NXT lad and he's, his character's way more, that's way more depth than that, especially the NXT version. I'm expecting that depth to just not be there and he's NXT lad <laughs> that does these cool moves. He's got tattoos because he's moody. Damn it. <laughs> With Elton Dream, this is an amazing character kind of thing. It tells you so much in just like one action, but this is just not a thing that happens on the main roster. So you can, it's one of the things where the longer you spend in NXT, the more time you kind of get to adore this awesome character work. But once you go to the main roster, there's every chance you'll be Tyler Breeze, even though it's just, he's just oozing out of talent. Like my, other, my other example was EC3, but he's the prototype WWE guy. <laughs> Like, if you've got Vince McMahon to model a wrestler on wrestling, on the uh, WWE games, like, surely it would be EC3. Like, amazing on the microphone. Yeah, maybe a tan- just a tantrum as Miz or getting right up there. He's got the look <laughs> as well. And he's he still, he's not shit in the ring either. <laughs> just like, he is the perfect model for a WWE superstar. It, they've got him silently brooding into mirrors, and he's not said a single word on the main roster when his like his greatest his greatest strength is his mic work. <laughs> it's just like, oh no. The perfect example of what I fear will happen when Belting Dream gets to the main roster, especially as when you hear the writing for a lot of characters, it's very cookie cutter. Like you heard Ricochet and Aston Black talking on SmackDown this week. And but like any babyface could have had those lines. Like it wouldn't make a difference. Putting the catchphrase in it isn't enough. <laughs> It's no different from what that other baby face would say when they were in that opportunity. Like, uh, uh, I feel like the tag team scene has got, like, the Usos, maybe. <laughs> They've got great character work. Daniel Bryan gets good stuff. Uh, Tomojo is his own beast, but, yeah. Very cookie-cutter stuff still being written. <laughs> so, there are changes happening in WWE Creative. That's interesting to see. Unless they're not getting rid of anybody, they're just hiring more and more people, which creates more and more problems. There's <laughs> so many chefs. Uh, Oh, that's a personal preference. <laughs> Just in terms of creative worlds I've ever been in, more does not equal better. Like it's a smaller group, it's always worked better for me. And then I'm not running a huge. <laughs> I'm talking about way smaller projects still, but yeah, a lot of voices can call. A lot too many cooks ruin the broth or something like that. What I'm saying is, but anyway, yes, awesome segment. Valentine Dream comes off like a superstar, an awesome superstar. <laughs> Don't know why I said that so childishly. No, not a superstar, it's awesomest superstar. Anyway, uh, next up was Mustache Mountain, the third match in the Dusty Rose Classic. Uh, the Mustache Mountain facing Street Profits in an interesting get-up, I'll be honest, for... Uh, oh, what's his face? <laughs> These guys are bad with names. Oh, oh what's his face? Ma, 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 ma. It's not coming. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so the the Montez Ford, that's why, ma, there we go. So, yes, Montez Ford uh, came out with an interesting, just bright red balaclava that fit the red gear they were wearing. And I was like, interesting, guess what? He's wearing the crown still, and he had the glasses on as well. And he's still uh, dancing about with as much energy as I have in total for the day. <laughs> he was using it all in his entrance. Uh, yes, yeah. and then they get into the ring. And face Mustache Mountain, where the crowd went crazy for them, because of course, Mustache Mountain here, hooray! Uh, 
and yeah, the match was great. Uh, the ending was a little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little bit messy. Uh, so Trent Seven went to lift up the other street. Pro- Why can't I remember the street profits' names? I do. I talk about them almost every week. <sighs> so go to lift up the head bigger lad. <laughs> what is his name? To go to lift him up and to do a torture back drop. So that's when Trent Seven holds him on the shoulders. And uh, like holding on the shoulders, where his back's on the shoulders, so he's facing upwards, and then Tyler Bay jumps off the tip rope with his knee to the head, and they kind of flip him with that. But the lad was too heavy. Was too, Angelo Dawkins. Mm, yeah, fuck you, people. Didn't think I'd get his name. Ah, I got it eventually. Only took three minutes. <laughs> but yeah, so he, Angelo Dawkins was too big of a lad. He couldn't. Trevor couldn't really lift him, or he did the technique wrong, or something. And there, he was kind of stumbling a bit, and he wasn't straight when he was lifting him. Uh, Tyler Bate then delivered the knee when then when it came down to kind of dropping and then Trent Seven kind of landed a bit contorted and not right, kind of crumpling on himself in a little bit of a way. Uh, and Andrew Dawkins himself kind of just crumpled to the mat rather than doing like a, a pleasant looking flip. <laughs> he kind of crumpled himself. Uh, he got the win. Uh, but of course, the quote of that match was Trent Seven going, ah, me back. <laughs> Suddenly that actually crumpled and then went for the pin. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that hurt. But aside from that, Awesome. Another really fast-paced match. After coming back from, I guess, the break, which was the Velveteen Dream segment, halfway between the two uh, tournament matches, ended up with a awesome fast-paced match to get everybody back alive again. So, but these are two teams that are really popular in the NXT full-sale crowd. Uh, I've got really behind Street Profits as, as of late. I've, I really enjoy them. Uh, again, they're another act where on the main roster I'd really fear for them <laughs> but in the next season developing nicely I kind of get in behind them and much less mountain in one of those teams where they don't have bad matches <laughs> Just I just enjoy every single match they have uh, there is a bit of bias in there I'll be honest yeah so much less mountain go through uh, again highly recommend to check out this match super fun as a, a kind of similar plaudit to the first match in terms of the pacing uh, which just it was relentless <laughs> and it was really fun to watch uh, also, Montez Ford hit an amazing fog splash. <laughs> like, uh, it's one of those things where I thought Kofi Kingston got amazing height. I think he's like, Kofi Kingston is like the highest I've seen someone get a fog splash or just that leap from the top rope. But Montez Ford, that man's got a jump on him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've seen it, well, to be fair, not even on top rope. I think he did it at a one of the, it wasn't TakeOver, but it was the, but the matches recorded at the TakeOver event for NXT. And one of those, he did like a jump just from the mat over the top and he just, he cleared it like Jesus Christ. <laughs> he can really jump. Uh, so, yeah, expect some more awesome spots on Montez Ford jumping in the future. Not in this tournament, though, because Montez Brown went through. This takes us to the main event of uh, Undisputed Era coming out with Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Again, still feels pretty cool to see Bobby Fish back, to see Red Dragon formed in NXT. It's kind of awesome. You know, Red Dragon was their indie name, for those of you who don't follow the indies. Uh, next out came Johnny Gargano to his music, and then Tommaso Ciampa to his. Tommaso Ciampa kind of stopped them on the ramp, and then the DIY graphic played in the background with the original DIY music, <laughs> and the crowd, uh, people in the crowd generally like really went mental for this one. <laughs> I've said that word way too much, but they it was just a really good show, so there were multiple things to send the NXT crowd just cheering their minds out. <laughs> so this was another thing where... DIY and a loud DIY chant as they got into the ring and did their stuff and I suppose on the corners uh, and pretty much like, from that moment the crowd didn't really let down of course they did of course when the heels get in there and the undisputed era are kind of stomping away at them and they're doing their work but still the crowd were lively for the entire thing 
Yeah, again, this was another match where uh, DIY tried to pick up the momentum to kind of get it into gear and speed. They were trying to slow it down and work on them, uh, knowing of injuries and things, kind of playing off of that, being really smart about it. Uh, but in the end, DIY were able to get on top because they are the superior wrestlers. <laughs> looking through my mental thesaurus, trying to come up with something, but no superior, superior wrestlers. Uh, in the end, Kyle O'Reilly is the one who reached the double kick to the head. Unlucky chap. Uh, Undisputed Era going out in the first round after their dominance on the uh, tag team tournament uh, over the tag team championships over this past year. They eliminated the first round by the reforming DIY uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano. Go through to the next round to face Ricochet and Alistair Black. Hmm, interesting. (laughs) That's going to be a very good match. Uh, so, So that's the match that's happening. I don't know if that's going to be next week or the week after. But I'm bloody looking forward to that one. The two call-up teams happening. Of course, the really interesting thing going forward with NXT, as kind of like winding down this segment, the really interesting thing is what happens going forward. Because, Tommaso Ciampa, I don't know why I paused for so long. There's <laughs> no dramatic thing coming. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, with his injury, he's out for a really long time, which means that DIY reforming here can't really carry through. Um, I don't know if they're going to do a story where, again, I don't know any spoilers. I don't know anything. So this is all coming, Blair. So, uh, but my assumption would be either DIY flat out win to go for the titles or because, it, again, I don't find that likely because Champa is still champion at this stage. My other assumption is that either the breakup or something and they do a huge Gargano versus Champa final battle type of thing at TakeOver. Who knows what's going to happen? But in the meantime... Whilst after all of this has been recorded, or no, sorry, after this was all set to be recorded, then got recorded with lots of changes, uh, they've been called up to the main roster as DIY, with kind of stuff in place. Then Champa got his injury, he's out, he's going to be out for a really long time, he's not going to be able to wrestle at TakeOver, the title's going to have to be vacated. What the hell happens? <laughs> like, suddenly, what on earth is going to happen with NXT at TakeOver, especially in the championship scene? And the tag titles will be fine. Everything's been taped off as far as I know with the tournament. Well, as far as I know, every episode has been taped building up to take over. So, so what do they do? <laughs> He's, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do that, really. I don't know what, how the editing thing works. Or if they properly have taped everything till take over, or if they just did it till a certain point and they go more tapes in March or something. But I thought they would have taped them all the way to take over. Which, this is the first time where Pre- this is an issue with taping, is if somebody gets properly injured, there's nothing you can do, and you've taped all of your build, <laughs> all of your build's going to be building up to WrestleMania, and the guy's injured. So either you edit out all of the matches, or you just go with it, and then just say, like, he's injured. <laughs> just really blatantly just saying, we're going to have to do something else, because he's injured. So, okay, enjoy the match, but it isn't the match we wanted to put on. But still, I guess, uh, wishing a speedy recovery, obviously, to Champa. Uh, it's not a nice surgery to go out, not a nice injury or surgery to go out with, but hopefully it will be back. As I said, Seamus is somebody who's currently wrestling with that same issue. Whilst I can't remember his name, but there definitely was somebody who had to retire because of it. And it's quite bad in later life, but still, I forgot what the name of it is. Spine, I want to say spine cirrhosis or something like that. Whatever it is, it can, Seamus is proof that he can be found and continue. Anyway, we can take one more quick ad break, and then when we return, I'm going to use the actual stinger. Oh, I'll get so excited for that, folks. <laughs> I know, I will. Uh, then we're going to talk about NXT UK before signing off for the night so I can go to bed to wake up for the New Japan Cup. Anyway, see you in about five seconds. 
I've got to mute myself so I enjoy my click sounds, everybody. Uh, NXT UK emanating emanating that's not right emanating emanating we'll go with that one what's happening (laughs) emanating from Coventry in the UK in a bigger arena from right they had the like the camera side was nice and full Uh, the kind of ground area around the ring was full but the wider areas were not I don't know if like the plan was I don't know if they kind of over did it with booking that size of arena in terms of how old NXT UK is. Maybe they overdid it with what they thought they could do. But again, it the, yeah, it's a very nice arena, and I really I don't know. It's a bigger arena than they have been running, but it still is like a way too big arena for <laughs> the amount of people still interested in NXT UK. Like it's slowly growing and building on the network, but still, uh, yeah, not a gra- not a massive size unless it was, this was the plan all along to kind of only make a certain amount of seats available. But they have booked this arena anyway because we- that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know how they do business and booking things, but anyway, I enjoyed the setup much better. There was that- we're finally back in the UK. We we'll finally get our sing songs, kind of, but we uh, finally we're not in Phoenix anymore in front of the access crowd. We've got our UK singing back, everybody. Uh, we've got our our fellow pale people, my people, <laughs> welcome. Uh, so anyway, so we had a build up to an amazing main event right at the end, which we'll get to eventually. Uh, but commentary had it with yes, they were treated to an incredible main event. Uh, so first off, we were treated to Legero versus Joseph Connors, which was built up last week, and Legero this week saying on another recorded selfie stick thing of you are only as good as your final match. Which again I find really weird because I've been used to Legero on the Indies as like a silent character, where in progress, uh, one of my favourite things of Legero in progress was where he would give uh, the he had the card over up to the ring announcer and the ring announcer had to read it out and they would be saying they've got some facts for both uh, the audience live in attendance and for his opponent. <laughs> Just point to the opponent and there'd be facts taking the piss out of his opponent, but the ring announcer would read them all out and it, it worked really well. This is that thing of he's the luchador El Ligero, but everybody knows he's from Leeds, but it's like, oh, no, he doesn't speak English. <laughs> I love that. It was so cheesy, but I really liked it. Uh, WWE may obviously maybe found that part too silly or whatever, but uh, I, I love that kind of part of the Indies, like the silly part of it. So El Ligero, uh, first Joseph Connors, but there you go. Now comes Joseph Connors. Uh, that's the important part. The opponent also came out. Uh, that was a decent match in a way. Uh, Joseph Connors slowing it down, trying to stop Ligero from hitting his high-flying stuff, but Ligero, I think this has been a pattern in Ligero matches, is his opponents are trying to ground him, then he'll hit a, like, one big move, he'll get back into it, and eventually kind of leads to Ligero being able to hit like, more than one move in succession, and that's how he wins the match. Same thing here. Ligero, I can't remember if he hit his DDT, that's his kind of movie, Springboard DDT. I would say he will, but for some reason I feel like it was maybe a pinfall, not after that. Uh, it's it's 1am, I'm allowed to forget things. I've not written it down. Why haven't I written it down? Uh, anyway, uh, Ligero ends up winning, beating Joseph Connors, and Joseph Connors is pissed afterwards. <laughs> he just gets angry, ends up kind of leaving, storming away. Uh, but Ligero is then still in the ring to get in the crowd to cheer for him, like, hooray! Yeah, and that's the end of that match. Yes, yeah, so I'm not really sure where to go with Ligero, because he feels like... Oh, pardon me. <laughs> He feels like he has other weird, like, cough, burpy thing. <laughs> but anyway, he feels like he's being maybe built up as, like, a strong mid-card guy, but there's no mid-card title for him to go for. 
there's no it doesn't feel like he'd be entering the main event anytime soon. He's not really got that amount of momentum. Uh, I felt like when I first saw his DDT, it's like, oh, they're going to introduce kind of more moves as he goes along. But, oh, no, the springboard DDT is kind of his peak. Apart from, oh, I know I'm getting mixed up with someone else. Isn't I? <laughs> but, yes, Oligero, uh yeah, he's kind of not really building. He's building mid-card momentum. But I feel like he's already hitting a ceiling. Where like what I've seen of him on the Indies, I've really enjoyed him, but I don't know if it's because of his age or something. But yeah, I like Ligero, just maybe not this NXT UK Ligero. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we then get a couple of VTRs. Uh, first off, is uh, the hunt begins soon. Uh, Primate and the Wild Boar are going to be turning to get a uh, team together. Uh, the Wild Boar, Mike Hitchman, I think his name was. Uh, they'll be lovely lads together, won't they? <laughs> just lovely lads. They're really kind to everybody. They'll help their opponents out. They won't do anything overly violent. And they were, oh, God, no, they were screaming into the camera. Oh, it's devastating. <laughs> it's scary. Uh, yeah, so Primate and Wild Boar. I think it said either debuting in two weeks or debuting soon. Again, my memory's letting me down. Next, out comes two tall strapping lads, uh, Howley and Stoker. I can't remember their first names. Uh, they come out wearing their really tight trousers with the kind of beach shirts, kind of just showing off their abs and their tans. Are walking, they, so they strut down to the ring, showing everything off. Uh, then out comes Bartel and Eichner. <laughs> now, as I was watching their entrance, I was like, "We've not seen you before. I'm assuming you're going to be jobby job jobs." Ah, uh, yes, Bartel and Eichner. <laughs> yeah, yes, you, you chaps, uh, get prepared to lose. <laughs> uh, but Halley Stoker got in a bit more offense than I was expecting. I thought this was going to be uh, tough. European chaps beat the living shit <laughs> out of Halley and Stoker. Uh, that's not quite what happened. Uh, so the people ended up losing. They got in some offence, but they felt like they were treated as rookies in a way. Where for me, this is a good use of rookies, uh, just to get them defeated like this. Uh, we'll see that for like someone else later. But the where they kind of debut on the show as the kind of people be losing to the current talent, and soon in time they will be the talent themselves. So it's a nice little. Little formula you've seen in NXT itself, like if you remember Jason Jordan when he had hair when he was a jobber when NXT started, and then he ended up like being a in an awesome tag team American Alpha and being like a huge top talent in the brand. So yeah, and it's UK seems to be using that same formula. Uh, so I won't be surprised if we see those two lads who lost to the German and the Italian. Is Martel German or is he Austrian? I can never remember. Uh, it mucks me up because Walter's Austrian. <laughs> He's not German. So maybe Bartel is Austrian or German. I can't remember. The first time I saw him was WXW in Germany, and that doesn't help either. And then he debuted in a very German gimmick on <laughs> Progress. It's also didn't help. But, but anyway, yeah, in the end, Bartel and Eichner end up getting the win. And I can't remember if it was the, like, the power bomb into the uppercutty thing. Uh, in the end, they win, and the jobbers lose. <laughs> and as tall as strapping as they were, the good looks could not help them defeat the tough Italian with his big who has like big muscles and screams at people. So yeah. But I like them being built up as a top tag team in NXT UK. If they face oh they can't face Mustache Mountain, can they? Cause, well they can, but they're not the champions. Hmm, will that be the one contenders match? Uh, I don't know. They're not faces, so who knows what's gonna happen afterwards. Uh, anyway, as somebody in this house makes a very loud stomping noise. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that. Uh it's as stealthy as an elephant down the stairs. <laughs> uh, if we go back to our BTRs, uh, oh yeah, WrestleMania is going to be in Tampa Bay, so get ready for pirate stuff. <laughs> no idea in my background. Uh, anyway, got a little thing from Gallus with uh, Joe Coffey in the middle being all menacing and making us like telling us messages and stuff. 
I'll be honest, I zoned out a little. <laughs> but he'll message, oh, we're going to beat people up. And they're facing Pete Dunn, Walter, and somebody else next week. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting pairing. So that'll be a main event six-man tag, which will obviously be nice and fine. It won't be chaotic at all. No, it'll be fine. Uh, also, we got a video of a nice little VTR for Kaylee Ray, who's going to be debuting next week on NXT UK. So look forward to that. I've seen her in uh, ICW, and of course she was in the May Young Classic. Uh, I rate her. She's one of those veteran wrestlers who's like really smart in the ring. And the I think that's what I said of her in the May Young Classic was she stood out because she she said it and then she showed it. It was of course it's the like the film telling rule of show don't tell. Like she, yes it do yes it WWE shows she told us but then she did show us. <laughs> so the show part happened which is the important bit. And uh, uh, yeah I'm excited to see what she does in the UK. She she's been a top first mayor I've ever seen her. Apart from the main classic where she's used to enhance, but still, she's a top talent in my own. Uh, next up, so what I was talking about with somebody starts off as the jobber and eventually you'll see them get a proper full-on gimmick and then they'll debut and then someone else will be that jobber, rinse and repeat. Uh, the NXT formula, we've seen that first-hand with Nina Samuels, who's now got her full-on gimmick, uh, posing on the ring ramp and everything, uh, and then winning with Anusha Garoshi, <laughs> just to show off, <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, so uh, a decent match in a way. It was really, it was just a let's get over Nina Samuel's moves. Charlie Morgan didn't really get much in there. Uh, she's got some in there. NXT UK seems to give the job a, a bit more to work with instead of it just being a flat out jobby match. They'll give them some offense. I feel like it's an NXT kind of philosophy. Golf. It is still a match. They've been like they've been allowed in there for a reason. If it was a flat out job where they got nothing in, then that kind of it, yeah. I don't know if it damages them in the long run. I don't know what the idea is, but I like it. But uh, <laughs> the moves are really stupid. But again, 1am, my brain's shutting off. Uh, but uh, Nina Samuels defeated Charlie Morgan with, again, the Yushi Kiroshi, which is a move you'll see AJ Styles do, where they got him on the shoulders and then pops him over like a attitude adjustment, but they land the head on the knee. And, it, yeah, it looks, it's one of those devastating moves. Uh, knocks them out. Uh, but, yeah, Nina Samuels using that as a finisher. So, yeah, AJ Styles used it as just a move. But then in Japan, I've seen Hiroki Goto use that move like for a finisher as well. But... He's got multiple weight moves that all kind of do the same amount of damage. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he's, a, he's, a utili- he's a tool of utilising the landing on your head stuff. But, yeah, Japanese wrestling. All right. All right. Speaking of utilising um, tools, <laughs> oh, that was me. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's ringside. Like, what is he doing in NXT UK, specifically Coventry? Uh, WWE Creative's latest signing, uh, Jeff Jarrett, is yeah, he's ringside for NXT UK because of reasons. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, so he was there. This was like a little bit of this was just fluff happening, and there's also a promo for Pete Dunne that was taking place uh, uh, before this Jeff Jarrett thing. So just a little bit of fluff before we get to our amazing main event. So let's do the main event and end the show. So uh, main event time. <laughs> Stop fluffing yourself, Matt. Uh, false Count Anywhere, uh, Jordan Devlin. I've been Jordan, uh, D-E-N. Why have I done that? Yeah, Jordan Devlin facing Travis Banks in a False Count Anywhere match, which has been built up for a while, starting at Blackpool. Uh, kind of, well, it was before. It was meant to be Travis Banks with Devlin in Blackpool, and then they got changed to Banks Bella. Banks Bella, Devlin Bella. It's the alliteration got in my head. <laughs> I couldn't ignore the alliteration. Um, Oh, yes, that's right. It's also on the tweet for this show. Or for, I think I put it in the title. I don't, wasn't able to do it on the direct blog talk title. There wasn't enough room, but on the Laws of Pain title and on the tweets for everything, I put it. But the 
the Banks and Big Head is what I've called this match. Also, a little play of words of Banks and Bailey. Oh, Banks and Big Head. Oh. Uh, th- thanks for telling me off, Kath. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so this was an amazing match. They brawled all over the arena. Uh, traffic, uh, one part of Travis Banks summoning his inner Kota Ibushi and jumping off of the like the second tier, or the first, whatever you call that, <laughs> in the uh, stadium. It was an awesome shot. It was pretty high up as well. The, again, the, the shot they got of it was amazing from just watching uh, Travis Banks spread his arms and fly, <laughs> spread his wings and fly all the way down to Jordan Devlin uh, or Big Head or Massive Head or whatever. Yeah, interesting, they would say. So I really enjoyed this match and the, it, they got across the brawling aspect like really well, especially with that dive from Travis Banks. Uh, when they got back to the ring and they started doing a really fantastic sequence, it felt like the crowd suddenly realised, wait, we're not doing songs. Why aren't we doing songs? And that's when the, uh, like, you've got a massive head or your head's too big for you, your head's too big for you, <laughs> your head's too big for you, your head's too big for you. <laughs> so that was a, that caught me off guard. <laughs> that was quite funny. But still, it felt really weird. Like, normally those chants happen at the start of the match, but because this match started with Jordan Devlin kind of he walked, as he's walking down the ramp he called to Travis Banks saying come on come on and then they did and started brawling like immediately there was no time to get in their Jordan Devlin songs so when they did it was when they got back into the ring and they started having an amazing exchange which was pretty fast paced in itself continuing with that kind of mayhem chaotic feel um, that's when they did the Devlin chant and I felt it a little bit weird because the match wasn't dying down for them to do it they were just doing the chance, and Devlin works in it really well. Just the way he would do it is he would look up at the crowd, seem to get a bit distracted, and that's just how he played off of it. Not really talking to them at all, just seeming like he can do that to get distracted. Anyway, so that distraction in a way well, they were able to get Travis Banks constantly back into the match. Uh, another really back and forth affair. Uh, in the end, uh, Travis Banks hit the uh, whatever it's called, the slice of heaven, which is his uh, springboard kick off of the corner. He hit it, but uh, Devin fell to the outside, so he wasn't able to get him. Uh, also, they were saying, um, like, we yeah, fell onto the ring, and it was like, well, why doesn't he go out and pin him? It's full to go anywhere. And he's like, oh, Banks, is, he's not, he's forgotten the rules. Uh, I will say, what I've seen like, across um, NXT, NXT UK, 25 Live this week, is Nigel McGuinness has got a really great talent for, like, quite often when you, you'll hear like, a comment that you say, oh, he didn't get all of it. Instead of saying that, Nigel McGuinness will give a thing of what they were trying to do or try and get interested of why isn't he doing that and he'll give it across in like a storyline way, like really well, or at least in a way of, well, this is what the wrestler was trying to do. Like, he's somebody who's been in those shoes and he's really good at getting across the story that's trying to be told, even if they mucked it up a little bit or we can work it into the story. He's really good at that part, Nigel McGuinness, and I've heard him do it three shows in a row. <laughs> and he did it here again, where Jordan Devlin fell to the outside and then Jeffrey's about to go for the pin, and Big Joseph was like, "Why didn't he go pin him?" And Nigel McGuinness is just like, oh, "He's just, he's just forgotten the kind of match." <laughs> like he's in all the, in all the amazing exchange that's just happened. He must have just got lost in it and not and completely forgotten. But anyway, uh, coincidentally, out earlier was a uh, table that had been set up. That's weird word order for me. <laughs> so a table had been set up by that specific area where Jordan Devlin happened to fall, uh, and then they're doing a little bit of teasing and. Uh, then it looks like Travis Banks is about to go and do something devastating to uh, John Devlin when John Devlin runs up to Travis Banks, who is on the apron, and hits a Spanish fly off the apron and through the table. And that is uh, it. That's enough to end the match. No hitting the Spanish fly through a table and then the finisher, <laughs> or then a reverse Varda <laughs> or something. Like, no. 
they've been beating the living crap out of each other. It's one of those miracles the match hasn't ended already. Then he hits the Spanish strike at the table, and that's devastating enough. He's like, yes. Awesome match. Perfect ending. It went all over the arena. <laughs> just, yes. Highly recommend you watch this match. This might be my match of the week. But it's just the fact that NXT was so great and I enjoyed all four of the matches on NXT and I really enjoyed the Alexander and Tazawa match on 205 Live. It's like, ah, I'm just going to have to say all six are worth watching. <laughs> but for me, this would be towards the top of the pile. This was really, really good. I really enjoyed this. If you don't watch NXT UK, I'd say check out this match. Jordan Dome versus Travis Banks. Uh, but Doc asks in the future for an NXT match list update. Put this in it. <laughs> when he replies to him ah. anyway that moves me to the end of the show as I said uh, watch NXT this week it was a, for me an all time great episode I really really enjoyed it and of course the building up to WrestleMania is when NXT starts to get its best when it's building up to their biggest show of the, or, or one of the biggest shows of the year uh, Cedric Alexander vs. Tell was really really good in, in front of a dead crowd that even started chanting for the show because it was that good uh, yeah that's the other thing with Live Live kind of have to put aside the Fans not really being that loud, and if that isn't, if that kind of turns you off with the crowd not really caring what you're watching, then you're going to struggle to get into it. But the actual wrestling is still great, and that this week proved it. Where you get a dead crowd kind of doing that, it's like the comedian thing where you would know it would be a big laugh in front of a crowd that's a bit bigger or paying attention. So yeah, and the uh, NXT UK match, the main event was 100% worth a watch. Amazing. <sighs> and basically, the end. They don't want to get too hyped. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this is the last in this format for a little while. That's right, I managed to do like one month of the format and now I'm immediately dropping off of it. <laughs> now we get to WrestleMania season. Uh, so next week I've got Burn on the show. I'm going to be live at 1am uh, GMT time, that's my time, and 8pm EST, so it's 5pt. Are you in summer time? That's what EST sounds for, right? Is it just ET? I don't know, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> live Eastern Time at 8, live Pacific Time at 5. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what, ha- what happened at Fastlane and what's going on with WrestleMania and what's going on with uh, NXT as well, going towards TakeOver, what's going to happen with the whole Champa thing. Burns going to moan about the call-ups <laughs> and all of that jazz. He emails me, so he's at least letting me know what's annoying him. Oh, and also every week he's writing columns in the columns forums. You want to check that out to get an early view of what Burns thinking. So anyway, that's the show next week. And of course, a reminder again, after WrestleMania, we're going to be permanently going back to what God has called here to Lords of Pain Radio before I decided to try being good at talking to a wall by myself. Uh, yes, <laughs> Imp and Burn returning after WrestleMania. Yeah. So you've got duos all over the place <laughs> after WrestleMania. And that brings me to the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to any of the Lords of Pain Radio shows, even if you don't normally listen to this one and you check, to any, cause you check out someone else's. Uh, thank you for listening especially at this point where I'm an hour and ten minutes into blabbling about doing a re-network specifically. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'll be back next week. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Hmm. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. 
It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Doc Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.